0: Hello and welcome to stick around a suicide discussion. If you or someone you love struggle with mental illness, this is the place to be. I'm Kel Bjorn and I'm passionate about helping others discover ways to find value in their lives. You've got friends, you've got family, you've got plenty of people who want you to stick around. So let's open up and see if we can make a difference. All right. Welcome back, everybody. This is Kel Bjorn again. Have another stick around episode here for you today. I am speaking with Laura Warburton. And in 2014, her daughter, Hannah, completed suicide at the age of 16. Uh, It just so happened that 18 months earlier, Hannah was in a car accident where she sustained a head injury that was basically ignored. It was a concussion that developed into post-concussive syndrome which exasperated her anxiety and created deep depression, which eventually caused mental illness. They tried to help her with therapy, natural supplements, antidepressants, um, anything they could think of, but it wasn't enough. Uh, and after that experience, the Live Hannah's Hope Empowering Youth was born. So welcome to the show, Laura.
1: Thank you, Cal. I appreciate you doing this.
0: Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. It's been, it's pretty neat, I guess, to, to meet people through other people from this show. You know, I've, I've had some episodes and being introduced to you through this is pretty uh, a pretty cool experience to see how many people are involved in this and and trying to spread hope and trying to spread value to people. Um, so that, that, I guess that Han, Live Hannah's Hope that I just mentioned, there's actually a website Livehannah's hope.org which we'll talk about here in a little bit but first off what i want to do laura is just talk about hannah a little bit um just kind of going back and what some of her hobbies were growing up and maybe even some quirks and things that you remember about her right off the bat i know people aren't seeing this but i am talking to laura via zoom so i can see the room she's in and it was hannah's room and it's super bright orange lots of paintings around So I could tell she must have been into art at some point, right?
1: She was very much an artist. There's some pretty neat pictures in here. And she, her quirks, she loved to argue. (laughs) (laughs) I I knew she was going to be my lawyer someday. That was my hope. Yeah. Um, She loved being outside, loved sports, loved flowers, loved photography.
2: Hmm.
1: Very artsy girl. She loved people. Love being around people. I think it was painful for her a little bit because she could read people so well. And so she was kind of an old soul and she would do anything for anybody. She loved people. Um, But when you're that kind of an intuitive person and you can feel people, sometimes that's really painful as a, as a child. She was into martial arts. She was one heck of a fighter.
2: That's
1: awesome. Yeah. Her at her viewing she was awarded her black belt and she really had earned it because her senseis would never have given her they were very serious about who they awarded black belts to but she kicked butt she was amazing she had tremendous mental abilities and you know when i speak and i and i speak often People will talk about how, and if I can get people to be honest with me, they'll say, "Yeah, we think people that die by suicide are weak, they're weak-minded," and and mm. that is very a very honest feeling from some people. And if and yet I'll share the story about Hannah, how the first year we went to the state championship and she was beaten pretty bad, mm. and I sat her down and we talked, and she was a poor loser. I mean, there was nothing nice about her losing it was difficult to be around her I had to be around her all day long Uh, and so as I did that though I watched some of these people that were winning and I and I went to Hannah I said Hannah look at they look at these people before they go on the mat you can tell because she had this gift you could tell who's going to win and who isn't
2: Hmm.
1: and and she started to predict it with me and she got it right and I said you have to decide before you ever get on the mat if you're going to win Wow. That's it right there. So a whole year later, after going through the junior Olympics, and she did really well there, all the way to the end, the following year, we were at the exact same tournament. And we were and she had taken first in forms. So she did really good in forms. And then we went to fighting, which is what her love was. And she's beautiful. You know, hmm. you would look at her and you would never, never think to think that this girl would be a fighter because she was yeah. so beautiful and uh in the fighting class there was one girl they put in there that was a brown belt and she didn't belong in there it was supposed to be like i think probably red all the way up to purple in this one thing just a couple belt sizes but not brown and not black they're in a different group Yeah. this girl must have been 15 pounds heavier than hannah and she was three years older than hannah whoa but, but the brown belt and she ended up being as a you know went back and forth ended up being those two were the very last ones.
2: Jeez. And
1: she, before every tournament, every time she had to go in, she'd sit there, she'd see herself, and she'd see herself winning, and she would really feel that. I mean, she'd see it in her brain. Well, she went into that, that, that last round, and the girl took a cheap shot and, oh, and knocked wow. her knees. They, they stopped it, they had the girl turn around on her knees, take a knee in the opposite direction. I stayed away. Because uh, I'm kind of a mama bear, <laughs> yeah. I stayed away. <laughs> and I watched Hannah collect herself. I watched her collect herself, walk back in that ring, tell the judges she was okay. The referees get in there, and then boom, boom, just that fast. She got two points and she beat the girl.
0: No way. That's she beat awesome. the girl.
1: That's the kind of mental acuity that child had. Wow. So it wasn't. It's not when we're when we're struggling. I've met so many people that struggle with depression and anxiety. It takes strength to get up every morning. Yeah. You're not weak, right?
0: I totally agree with that. I mean, right when you first brought that up, I mean, I was just thinking back to probably years ago before I had been close to someone that did die by suicide. Um, And I would hear people say that it just they perceive it as selfish. And I think I probably thought that as well. I mean, I've learned a lot even in the last few months from all these people I'm talking to, but... And then thinking of my own experience with depression. And and I I don't know, maybe sometimes it is because we're looking internally, but it it's like you can't you can't get out of it. Like it's there's no like you said, it takes strength, it takes real strength to get up. Yeah, exactly. Move.
1: And I I have talked with several people that have attempted suicide. Yeah. So they're attempt survivors and of course the data and the literature and so forth and what it is is that people and she wrote this in her note that she felt like a burden to people Uh, like everybody would be better off without her yeah and that's what people feel like they feel like they've complained too much nobody wants to hear this anymore i'm just a problem to everybody this is never going to change lose all hope yeah of ever changing and feeling like a burden That's two of the two things that have to happen out of three. Yeah. And she wrote about both of them. Actually, she wrote about all three of them in her note.
0: Well, I was just about to say, you wish you could read that note a day ahead of time to help them feel that you're not a burden. But really, the next thing I was going to talk to you about is going away from those what-if statements of what if this or what if that, and wishing things were different. Um, right there on your livehannahshope.org site, um, there's a little piece that mentions that you kind of don't like to think that way as far as what ifs go, but rather because of is kind of the phrase you like to use. Can you explain that and kind of what led you to, to that way of thinking?
1: Yeah, because of is kind of a big term now. Not that I made it big, but um, a local church that I happen to be a member of Made it big, but before they made it big, I'm not saying it was mine, but it was mine. <laughs> <laughs> it was mine. <laughs> so what happened was at the viewing, one of my husband's relatives came up to me and said, "Laura, we had a relative, and I can't, I can't remember who this even is,
0: hmm. um,
1: that, that died of suicide." And what they did was the family did because of not what ifs, because what ifs are trying to change the past. They're impossible. You're beating yourself up with something that you didn't do. Yeah. And there's no way to go change that, but because of is empowering, right? So I can say, well, what if I would have known that she was sad? I would have talked to her. Well, because Hannah, because of Hannah, because of understanding now of the way that she felt, I can talk to other kids. So because of Hannah, I'm open because of Hannah, we changed the law because of Hannah. I helped instigate, um, the safe UT app because of Hannah. I, I passed laws because of Hannah. I did all this stuff that all in her name. So that's because of, and anybody can do it. Anybody can do it.
0: No, I didn't know you were involved in the safe UT app.
1: Yeah, I was there the year there's, um, the year before they tried to pass it and they couldn't get it was the AG, Sean Reyes' office, and um, uh, Senator Thatcher tried to get it passed a year before. And Governor Herbert didn't want to do anything about it when they first talked to me. He said, It's too sensitive a subject. Well, they all knew me down there. Yeah. I was a citizen lobbyist and a citizen advocate, children's advocate. I've been involved in many bills. And when Hannah died, that was the story that became everybody said okay now we've got to do something wow so i i lobbied every single senator there were it was a complete 100 percent vote yes to pass that and then i was i was it was a team effort and i don't want to start naming names because i'll forget people and same with a three-digit number that's coming up
0: that is amazing i'm really excited about that so cool
1: same group, same group of people.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: there's a group of us. And then as we've all kind of slowed down a little bit, uh, Senator Elison has taken off. I would love for you to talk with him.
2: That'd be great. Senator
1: Steve Elison, he is an amazing man who's done amazing work. Um, yeah, gosh, you should talk to him about what's going on. They're going to put up centers in, in Salt Lake, all up and down the Wasatch Front that are like um, ERs for mental
0: health. Wow. Yes. Well, for those of you listening to this, the safe UT app is an app specifically in the state of Utah in the U S that's, it's basically, and you'll know more about it than I have, but I've, I've seen a lot about it in tech conferences and things like that to where this app is available. A lot of teenagers are using it and it's pushed through the high schools. I mean, they're they're advertised all over high schools and probably middle schools. I would imagine. Middle Um, schools,
1: high schools, some elementaries. Um, yeah, I was put on the commission to get it started for, and I was there for a year until my hydrocephalus gave me so much trouble. I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. And then, um, but now it's also for the, uh, military. Oh, really? The police are encouraged to use it. Yeah. And, uh, the colleges, it's been rolled out to colleges, I believe already. Um, and all it is, it's an app that allows you to chat with a behavioral health specialist as a bachelor's or a master's or higher, it's going to right. be. It's probably not going to. probably not going to talk to a PhD, but you could. But it's masters and higher. So we're wow. talking about educated people on those phones. So you can text them, which is chatting, just a real-time chat back and forth. Yeah. You can push a button and call. But what I love so much about this program is that right away I wanted to find a program that I could teach parents and and people of all, all ages and sizes, how to recognize signs of suicide.
2: Yeah,
1: And that's where QPR comes in. So right. question per se to refer. And I didn't want to teach that because there was no place to refer people to. Yeah, There was no real resources, very, very limited resources, even for you by five, five years ago, we're doing so much better now. Oh, it's uh-huh. amazing. But when, say so if you T came out, I could say, Hey, if you have a problem, you call, you call this. So you can call it with a friend. And there's so many neat stories I can tell you about. That's and, great. Yeah. School shootings have been have been prevented.
0: Wow. Suicides.
1: Yeah. That's pretty cool.
0: That's amazing. So yeah. cool. I think I heard about that last year at some point or maybe earlier this year. I don't know with coronavirus COVID, all that stuff. Like I feel like the last year and a half of my life, I can't remember when stuff happened. It's all kind of meshed together, but I saw something about that (laughs) at some point and I thought it was great. So it's really cool to to hear you kind of talk about the groundwork of getting that going. So you mentioned a little bit about QPR, which is Mm -hmm. something you have a whole tab designated um, under Mm -hmm. some resources on your website. Um, Mm -hmm. Which, like you said, is question, persuade, and refer. So where does that come from, I guess? Like who, you know, kind of the the origin of that and and kind of how it works?
1: QPR Institute has been around for a long time and they developed this. um, It is evidence-based, best practices, takes about an hour to two hours at tops. Uh, People can use it depending on their states. I know in Utah that... Now behavioral health specialists or therapists and several designations are required to get at least two hours of education every year. Mm. And so this qualifies as that. Um, Yeah. Before Hannah died, that was the first bill I ran was I asked, I said, are, are therapists required to get um, suicide prevention training? And the answer was no. And I don't believe in mandates, I really don't, but if it's the number one cause of death for kids 10 to 24, and our therapists don't know how to ask, don't know the signs, and you think they would know, but yeah. they're scared the breath of it. That's they're scared crazy. the death of it. So, QPR is a way, a real simple way, that anybody, I mean, I, I'm certified teaching it, I will teach it anywhere, I and for anybody. Um, and, people can go take the courses and learn how to become certified so they can teach it. It, It's, it's like an hour, hour and a half course. I said that just goes over what to look for the signs of somebody who's suicidal. And then once you see them, what to do,
0: Hmm.
1: it's real simple.
0: Yeah. Well, so one of the other things on your website I wanted to ask you about was the mindfulness based stress reduction. Cause you know, you talked about, or there's one tab on there about concussions in particular and mm-hmm. how this is something that you're kind of recommending for people with, with some resources on there, which is fantastic because obviously in, in the intro that I read with Hannah, um, she had had that concussion that went untreated and then kind of a trickle down effect from there. Um, so can you talk about that a little bit more and, and kind of how you're involved there?
1: You know, six years ago, the movie Concussion had just barely come out. Oh yeah. And so we weren't talking about concussions. No. Concussions was something you just got up and you went back in the game and you didn't complain, you know, just come on, man up. Right. Well, I knew I watched Hannah change. I watched her whole personality change. Jeez. Um, I started asking people that had depression, have you had did you have concussions as a kid? Oh yeah, I had several.
2: Weird. And
1: yeah, I could go back on Facebook. Today, I've got a big following on Facebook. A lot of people that we chat and talk with, and COVID's kind of changed that a little bit because I've changed my discussion a little bit. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. But, um, but people are are starting to connect con- concussions and causing, especially anxiety. Yeah. So, so mindfulness-based stress reduction is thirty years old. It was invented by John Cabot zinn Professor at Massachusetts State. It's evidence based and best practice, only thing that's evidence based to heal brains.
0: Wow.
1: Evidence based to heal brains.
0: So, how is this not more widespread?
1: Oh, because people are afraid that it's meditation and that it's Eastern. So, our culture here. So, it is really. You you look up mindfulness is and and mindfulness is kind of a catchphrase that everyone thinks they know, right?
0: Right. Um,
1: Yeah. Like, oh, you all do mindfulness, okay? What do you mean you do mindfulness?
0: (laughs) I do mindfulness.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, there it's it's an actual practice of meditation that is just learning to breathe, being present, and and it's phenomenal. So, on my website, there are tons of links. And Davis County is especially especially blessed because Debbie Todd, who's the head of the Davis Behavioral Health, uh, started the first mindfulness center in the state in Davis County. So they have this beautiful facility that they're teaching mindfulness out of. And it's an eight-week course, um, and it's a practice. It's not something you just go once and do and get it. It's something you practice all the time.
0: Yeah. Oh that's excellent. Some great resources. I love that on your website there's just so many different things. I mean you have a little bit of history on why you guys are doing what you're doing, but then giving some helpful tips like that, and some resources and some value to kind of help spread the word on on what you guys are trying to do. I you am know, curious. I have, oh, go ahead.
1: I have a a a form that people can submit to me their um People that they've used for therapy in their different places. So I have those listed by county. Yeah. And it can be anonymous, just has to be real. Cause I didn't have, I didn't know who to go to. You know, there was some, all, everything that's on my site is because I didn't have it. And I, and I should have, should have, could have, yeah. if I had, had that, if I had had, I put it on there because if I had had that, it would have made a difference for me. Yeah. Wow.
0: Well, so I'm curious a little bit about after the events of, 2014 how was your own mental health through all that i mean no it, just death in general there's going to be a grieving process and those types of things but before you kind of came to the point of focusing on because of i mean how were you doing as far as coping and all that
1: well there's a couple things that happen the night of the funeral or the night of the viewing and then the day of the funeral, almost every kid that came through, and adults too, I, I Hannah <laughs> really didn't think anybody liked her, and and there was two hours of line waiting to come through on the viewing, and they had to shut it down because they just. They couldn't do it anymore. I said, we can't do this anymore. This is going to go until one or two in the morning. We've got to shut it down. Wow. And yet everybody, So she, she didn't think anyone liked her. And the next day at the funeral, I didn't expect anyone to come because for me, I go to the viewing and not the funeral, but not both. So yeah. all those people that came through, I didn't think anyone was going to be at the funeral. And when I turned around and I saw that, that that there were chairs all in the all the way in the where they play basketball and stuff and all the way up on the stage and later on I was told that every chair out of every room was taken out and people were standing in the hallways wow I realized I and I don't say that to brag I say that because she really believed that nobody liked her and they were there for her They were there for her. There were some people there to support me and my husband and my family, but people loved Hannah and they all heard the same thing. If she would have said something, we would have helped her. And then there were some of her friends that did know, but they didn't know what to do. So for me, I realized right then that I had taught my daughter How to help people, but not to help herself. Wow. And so it 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 was painful, but I decided that because of Hannah, that I would not do the same thing that my daughter did, that I would do what I would want her to do. And I learned to mourn out loud. And so that's what I did on Facebook. I just mourned out loud.
2: Hmm. And
1: anybody that would listen to me, I just sat here and people would come and we would talk and we would talk openly and honestly. And, and I learn, I've learned how to be honest. I've learned how to say this, the hurts, you know, yeah. and, um, I'm not perfect at it, but I'm not helping everybody else and not helping myself anymore. Yeah. So that's what I did. And for, for me, the key was, and it's so personal, and hard to explain that well i just have a great faith of god right and i know that he loves me and i know that he loves her i don't i don't doubt that at all
2: yeah
1: and so i asked him i asked him question after question and there has not been one thing he has not answered not one wow and so i have a lot of peace with that i know that she's okay i know that she's healed um You know, I I believe in life after death, so I know that she's not gone, gone. I really feel sorry for people that believe that once you're dead, it's just nothing else. That would be tremendously difficult. Uh, But I don't have that faith. I have faith that she lives. I don't even have faith. I know she does. And then the other, the one other piece that really helped me was a process called inquiry.
2: Hmm.
1: I have that on the site too it's a work of Byron Katie and it's just four questions and three turnarounds. Is it true? Can I absolutely know it's true? What happens when I believe that thought? Who would I be without that thought? And then you turn it around and look at it a different ways. That process absolutely changed my life. Changed my life.
0: Wow. So I've never heard that before. Can you give like an example, I guess, on what you would put through that process of thinking?
1: Sure. Okay, this is the first one I did. And I mean, I've done so many, we call them worksheets, so many of them. And normally you do it on other people. They're called judge your neighbor worksheets, which is kind of hard (laughs) for people. It's okay to get mad at people, go ahead and admit it, right? But what I did is because it was me and Hannah, My first thought that caused so much pain, the story in my head that was causing me so much pain was I was never going to see my daughter get married. I was never going to hold my grandchild from Hannah. And so I went with, I'm never going to hold my grandchild from Hannah. Is that true? Well, yeah, that's true. You know, how could that possibly not true? And then when I really stopped and... Can I really know that that's true? No. I can't really know that that's true. I, and what happens when I believe that thought? Well, as that's rolling around my head, I feel sad, and I feel devastated, and I feel helpless, and, and I feel... And I just look at everything that I feel, and it's all negative it's all painful yeah and it's attached to that belief even though now i say that i don't know it's true but when i'm believing it when i'm thinking it without questioning that then all of that is going on so who would i be without that thought and that's a tricky one right so yeah. if i couldn't even believe that hannah and i've already decided that i i can't know it for for sure so yes or no is it can you absolutely know it's true? No, I can't absolutely know it's true. So who would I be without that thought? I would be a mom grieving her daughter. And so now I'm free to grieve mm. and not, and not, and then you look at the turnarounds might be, um, I can hold Hannah's daughter someday or son. Well, I don't know if that's not a possibility in my religious beliefs. That's actually a possibility. Um, My thinking believes I can't. That's right. It's just my thinking. Interesting. Just my thinking. Because my thinking is not me. It's just kind of thoughts happen. You learn that in mindfulness meditation. The thoughts just happen. Yeah. Then we attach to them. You know, that guy is a jerk. Well, why is he, you know, you sure he's a jerk? Yeah. <laughs> we like sure he's a jerk. <laughs> anyway, it, it's really fun. The pro. Sometime maybe we'll just do it. We You, don't, you can always call me and we can do one yeah. together. Well, it's, it's really
0: interesting. I just, I love, I guess the perspective of it. Because I'm thinking of people that listen to this are in all different phases of life. Maybe they've just lost someone to suicide recently. And they're thinking, how the heck am I going to get through this? Right? And so hearing from someone from you that's, you know this is four years ago for you and to hear some advice on how did you handle this mentally with your own mental health. And, and you've talked about like, Hey, I had to really focus on taking care of myself, not just everybody else and and being open, which is like, Hey, if, if Hannah would have done this and been open and, and talked about things more often, maybe she'd still be around. So you're going to take action and you're going to make sure that you are being open about how it's affecting you and I just I love that. My my friend that I mentioned to you that passed back in December um, I've talked to his wife a couple times and she she's that way on Facebook. She'll just write something out of the blue on how she's feeling that day and and how she might be angry that day. You know what? I'm really mad at him right now because of this and she's very open about it and I think eventually she'll look back on that probably like you do and think that that was a blessing and and that that was helpful to her in yeah. the long run
1: you've got to honor your honor your your journey your everybody grieves differently my husband grieved very differently than me he was very quiet he didn't want people around yeah um he withdrew from god he was angry at god um and 95 percent of all husbands and wives that have a child that dies by suicide gets divorced we did not. We've lasted six years and I think we're better than we were before.
0: I, uh, wow. That is extremely high. I didn't hear that before.
1: Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's a, it's a hard thing to go through. I think mostly because people don't understand that people grieve differently.
0: Yeah. That's tough. Yeah.
1: That was a, that was a great bit of advice that somebody gave us right off the bat.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's powerful. If you can recognize that. So a few things that I've learned through this process of, of meeting so many people um, that have been close to suicide. Um, I've learned that we don't use the word committed, right? Because that's just kind of an assumption that was used for a long time that was affiliated, I guess, with suicide. Um, and then also you don't ask how it happened, right? Because that's not important. And I think to the outside world that hasn't been through this, they might not even know that or even know not to ask those questions or to say things in a certain way. Um, do you have any other recommendations for people of how they should approach maybe you individually or just this topic based on your experience?
1: I I have a page dedicated to how to help after suicide Yeah, that I think is my number one downloaded, hit it, hit page um prevention is a, the second one after that that's the one that goes through kind of qpr yeah so people, you know parents that are having kids are struggling and know but after suicide yeah and you know the committed thing the words oh a lot of people pay a lot of attention to that and i just am not bothered so much by it really they killed themselves they ended their own lives they died um I don't share means, like I don't say how she died because it triggers people.
0: Yeah, that's
1: scientific fact. So, um, and if someone there's been people that ask me how Hannah died, uh, I think her friends got it out far and wide that I didn't have to say it. Yeah, um, and it's sensitive. It's like I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, now, I don't know why, but. That's me. Um
0: I feel like that's that be, pretty uniform, like with everyone yeah. I talk to. That it yeah, just that, I, that part I, doesn't I, matter. Let's focus on the person, let's focus on yeah, how can we help others avoid it
1: almost seems morbid curiosity when people ask that. Yeah, I think so. Morbid curiosity. But yeah. the but the thing and I and and in case uh some people that are listening to this that I mean there's a lot of people in the state that are so dedicated to preventing suicide. Yeah. So I will say that when you say someone committed something, it makes it sound like they committed a crime. Right. And when, they, when you say they died from suicide, died of suicide, um, that's better. I don't care. They killed themselves. Hannah killed herself. Jeez. She ended her pain. I say that a lot. Hannah ended her pain by ending her life.
0: That's really well put, I think, and that's something that I kind of have felt through these conversations: is if someone has died from something, it it puts more pain into it, it puts more suffering into it, right? That this was something that they were really suffering from, and it
1: died of a you know, broken heart, died of a broken mind, died of lack of peace, died of a mental illness. You know, someone told me once I was taking a course, um, and they said anytime you, you, you could, if you say it like, like if you use cancer, they died from cancer, then you can say they died from suicide, right? So if, if however you can say any other disease, that's the most polite way to say
0: it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so let's focus a little bit on your, your organization. Um, okay. It's actually, so it's an actual nonprofit organization. What types of efforts or events or things are you, you and your group participating in?
1: Um well I speak a lot uh, in different venues for different purposes and reasons um, I offer free classes we're not huge it's me <laughs> it's yeah me. I've had people offer to help and and they're a little bit they can but this is really my healing vehicle right and so who gets to come along with that is very limited yeah um and and maybe I'm just a control freak that could be it too but Like I said, we have the Resilience Award that we give out every year. Um, We have all kinds of survival stories on the site. We have resources, all kinds of numbers, state state numbers all through the whole state for uh, suicide prevention hotlines. That was the other one they did for Hannah. They called it Hannah's Bill, HB 41, and they funded all the hotlines through the whole state because Hannah's last call was to her therapist receptionist and the receptionist didn't handle it well. She she didn't recognize the signs. She could have done something about it. Wow. And other people had, had complained about this receptionist, other people and it's a big organization. It's right. a big organization. It's not just some small doctor's office. Yeah. And so you know the lack of the lack of training is amazing. So that there again I'll do I've done um I do for groups, uh, I get paid to do the work, to come in and teach the work. Um, for teenagers, I do it for free, Yeah. one-on-one. We do it on Zoom or Skype or uh, Messenger, whatever works. I've watched kids that were suicidal come back and just be happy and graduate. So um, let's see what else.
0: Oh, That has to be so fulfilling for you.
1: It is, and at the same time, you know, the reason why I started that in the very beginning, because I felt in the very beginning the need to take care of everybody, that I wasn't going to let anybody else die. Yeah. That's huge. So all of this, I've taught myself to release that I can teach principles and practices and give tools, because I don't think a lot of kids go to therapy and get tools. Right. Um. So I want them to have tools and then, they, then I let them go. I've had kids and young adults get very attached to me. Um, we stay in contact for a long time and they're just not ready to make changes and have gone and been angry and gone their, their own way too. But so far, every parent that has come to me and talked to me that uh, their child has not died.
0: Well, that really really is amazing. Um, I am a little more curious about the Resilience Award. Can you tell me some more details on that?
1: Yeah. What I do is it goes out through the listserv service in schools through USOE, Utah State Department of of Education. And there's counselors at all the high schools. Part of their job is to get seniors uh, scholarships. Well, this is a scholarship for $500, and it's not dedicated to go to a college or anything else. It's just, you write me a story. It's about getting kids stories online so that other kids can read how they overcame something uh, that was difficult. And then in the past, we've picked out 15 kids, and every year given 15, if I can get enough money for 15 great if i can have enough money for one great that's just what i'll do but i want i want to celebrate resilience i don't want to focus on on suicide i want to focus on resilience what is resilience it's yeah. learning how to think things through it's it's learning how to fill out a judge your neighbor worksheet it's it's learning i mean i can teach kids also i've Certified in teaching learning to breathe, which is a mindfulness based class for teenagers Um, I don't do that anywhere right now, Mm. but they're doing that in the schools and I do that one-on-one with kids very easy so You know for me everything is about Teaching the kids giving the kids and the parents the tools to live Now it's not it's not about not having problems because we're gonna have problems it's how we deal with them. Yeah. How we face them and how we embrace them. And it's not ignoring them. It's not saying, well, I I have anxiety, therefore I'm going to focus on my toe. You know, you know, focus on the problem. Go meet the problem. The problem's your teacher. The problem's yeah. your baby Buddha. Go meet that problem. Make friends with it. It's yeah. there to teach you. So that's you have to be afraid of those problems. we're afraid of those problems,
0: then they win. Wow. That is such great advice. I mean, I just love, you can just feel the passion coming from you when you kind of get, you kind of get into that topic and really, I love that point of not focusing on the suicide or or whatever it is, but focusing on resilience, Mm -hmm. celebrating the resilience and teaching that, you know, you are going to have problems and here's what we do about it. I mean, I mean, a lot of these kids, just in the last few episodes I've done, we've talked a lot about perfectionism and, and things like that and trying to focus on not having problems. And then when you do have problems, and you can't handle it. So we have to teach the kids and we have to learn ourselves how to how are we going to think through these problems one step at a time. And, and yeah. learning those tools is powerful.
1: Yeah. Amen.
0: Excellent. I think we're well, done. <laughs> <laughs> hang up the phone uh I, I thought she was gonna cut out just right there that's fantastic <laughs> it's one of those drop the mic the problem is my microphone is on a stand so i can't just drop
2: it, on drop the
0: floor. it. yeah <laughs> so laura thank you so much for spending the time i really appreciate the time and you've had some some awesome points and we'll share some of these resources on the the show notes for the episode and just uh we'll talk to you again sometime
1: thank you thank you
0: Hey, thank you again for listening in today. If you truly are struggling and having suicidal thoughts, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. They are available 24 hours every day and are anxious to help people in need. If you prefer to text, I would recommend the Crisis Text Line. They provide 24-7 support via text message. They're here for everything from anxiety, depression, and suicide. So even if you don't consider yourself suicidal, please text HOME to 741-741. That's H-O-M-E to 741-741. And simply open up about how you're feeling. Until next time, let's all stick around and help each other find hope and see value in life.